All right, so welcome to Toasted Lavender Podcast. I am Kai. My pronouns are he, him, and I will be your host this evening. Mm. Kai has luscious locks at this time. Luscious. We'll post them all over I the can't ground. believe you didn't say anything about it. <laughs> I'm uh, Lindsay. She, her, hers. Oh. Wow. I don't have anything to back that up. I'm just doing it now. Do it. I'm Lisa, and my pronouns are she, her, hers also. <laughs> you can um, get on this trend or not. I, I'm not going to get on the trend. Okay, that's fine. Uh, that seems like a you thing to yeah, do. Yeah, I know. You internet you social media-less soul. <laughs> I'm Alex, and my pronouns are she, her. All right, so we are drinking Breath and Bramble, a curious concoction by Roadhouse Brewing Co. in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. We got this from our friends at Salt and Hops here. It's in a skinny can, which makes me think that it should be... Low-cal. Low-cal, or like a seltzer, or like a canned mojito. Or it's just <laughs> it's none of those. Yeah, it's just special. It's a curious concoction. Is there a description? It you- says it's beer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Brewed with juicy raspberries and bright Meyer lemon. Breath and Bramble pops with a refreshingly tart backbone and abundant red ripe fruit. A glowing scarlet hue. No. I'm missing the no. golden scarlet hue. Kind of looks like pea. Well, I didn't. I wasn't gonna say that. If you're, it's like a straw pee. Like if you're a little bit hydrated. Oh wow! It's like abnormally well, pee hydrated. Could, pee could be like a range. You know that. You know I just that. don't know you know that, that the straw pee means you're well hydrated. Well, like no. if you're really hydrated, then it's almost clear. I'm gonna go ahead and say that the can promised more than the beverage delivery yeah it's underwhelming this. for sure i agree um okay so a glowing scarlet hue this beer's crisp acidity and farm fresh flavor is complemented by a round mouthfeel farm fresh flavor. i have to tell you that it was farm fresh i don't get raspberry or meyer lemon or farm or pink i'm glad it's not just my covid <laughs> it's not situation um i don't mean to alarm anyone but oh shit what it says notes, mildly tart and refreshing. Where have all the raspberry women gone? Wow, that is a Prince lyric oh. from Raspberry Beret. You guys, this is a tie-in from last week's episode. I guess it's meant to be, and it's unfortunate that we don't really like it. Can we rate it? Can we go around and rate it? Three point two five. It's a three for wow. me. I feel like that's generous, Lindsay. Thanks. <laughs> I was thinking like 2.5. Wow. Oh, shit. We're like really split on this one. Sorry, everyone. I'm going to go with like a 2.75. So I think 2.75 is about average. where we come in on it. So Lisa, if you want to just Sorry, go ahead Roadhouse. and log that for us. I like Logging it on really, tats. really enjoy most of your other Checking things. Checking that you bought it at... I sure did. Okay, good. Bing, friends, bing, if you use Untapped, become friends with all of us. We're all on there. Except for Alex, because she doesn't do any... 
I'm on Untapped. <gasps> you are. I'm on Untapped. Linus, right? Yeah. I don't think I'm friends <laughs> with you. I saw you today while I we're was podcast perusing. hosts, and we're not friends on here. Mm. What do you mean you saw me today? I saw your. It probably looks at my contacts in my phone, and so it came up. It, and it prompted said Linus. you. Yes. Oh my god. Are you f-ing serious? What do you think social media is? I'm gonna delete Alex. this shit. <laughs> That Shit. Sucks. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> it's because your phone number is in my inbox. It looks. It's that's only crazy. people that you know. Honey. It's only. Yeah. It's only because I have your phone number in my phone. Yeah, that's the only reason. It looks at my contacts because I allowed it, it to look at my contacts to see if any to. of my friends were but on But I don't untapped. consent to this. <laughs> All right. So the second beer that we're having this evening is from. Utah, which is our own Ogden brewery. This is called Snapdragon. Not to be confused with Snap Down because I keep getting those two Yeah, confused. you could. But Snapdragon Imperial Rice Lager with ginger and lime. And I gotta say, when I smell this right off, it smells like ginger beer. To me, yeah. like it smells like a really just delicious ginger beer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I taste yeah. it, and then it tastes like a really delicious ginger yeah, beer. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. I like that. But more oh, yeah. beery. It's less sweet than a traditional mm-hmm. ginger yeah. beer. It's way more of a beer. It's To me, it's like if there was like a ginger beer iced tea... Ooh. Like that green oh, tea, iced yes. tea. And then it's just a little bit beery. Yes. Oh, that's a really good way of describing yeah, it. Yeah, that's I really like that. good. This is my absolute hands down favorite beer that I've had from any Ogden brewery, oh, wow. I dare wow. say. It's so good. I love it. I think it's, and it's also like 7%. Which what? is which is sneaky. crazy because it yeah it's it's sneaky. so light really? yep. and by you know with that that being said I'm not trying to throw any shade but like this beer just is my favorite beer from an Ogden brewery that I've ever had it I really is it's so good I think I would rate this beer a four point two five same yeah I I concur yeah will you log that for us mm-hmm. I'm with it it's logged oh it's logged. consider it logged. Today we're going to be talking about Jackie Shane or Lil Jackie Shane. Oh, Lil. Lil Jackie Shane. And I'm really excited about this episode. So let's just dive right in. Yeehaw. So there's one thing that I want to touch on before I even start, and that is narrative authority. This is something that Lisa brought to my attention, and I was like, this is a really good idea to bring this up because... When we opened up this season, we talked about Marsha P. Johnson and how it was not really our place to tell her story. Jackie Shane is a black transgender woman, and she has a great story to tell, and I want to do my very best to try to tell the story using her quotes and her actual words so that we are representing her in the best possible way. Also, just to be noted, Jackie Shane passed away fairly recently in February of 2019. So she kind of 
has been able to be present to set the record straight, if you will, on her own story. And so with that caveat, if you will, I feel safe moving forward to talk about her. Um, and I hope that that doesn't feel disrespectful to anyone. So Jackie Shane was born on May 15th, 1940 in Nashville, Tennessee. So just to kind of paint the picture, um, it was definitely during the Jim Crow South in the, in, you know, deep South. She was black. She started identifying as transgender, but not transgender because that word wasn't an option on the table at the time, but kind of started identifying with gay or different from her adolescence early on. Um, At four years old, she said she loved nothing more than playing dress up in her mom and her grandmother's dresses and high heels and loved to sit at her mom's vanity and put on powder and blush and, you know, has fond memories of her mom coming in and seeing her and just cracking up as as her child sat there and put on her makeup. I'm sure it looked great. I'm sure it looked great. And it was all even <laughs> and nice. <laughs> sure. I'm sure her mom had a lot of things to crack up about it. But the way that Jackie told it was very much that it was cute and playful and never like, oh, you shouldn't do that, you know? Like, which is what my head automatically goes to. Like, yeah, that I'm doing this in secret so my parents don't know. Like, it was very much her mom was thought it was endearing and um, yeah. Anyway, so at eight years old, she was at, uh, you know, going to church, her regular church with her family and loved to sing the hymns or gospel songs along with the church. And her voice was noticed by the church choir and all the adults in the church choir asked Jackie to join the choir as an eight-year-old. And she accepted, but she had a condition. And so I'm going to read a quote. I said, Mom, I will sing, but I will not listen to the minister, and I'm not giving him any of my allowance, this shyster. (laughs) At eight years old. Oh, my God. I love that so much. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay, Jackie. Mm -hmm. She knew. By 13, Jackie started wearing makeup to school. Her mother, Jessie unquestioningly supporting her. And I'm going to read another quote from Jackie. She took me to where the people, I don't like the term, were called freaks. My mom was very intelligent. She said, I want you to look how people come into this world, she said. Then I want you to look at yourself. You have nothing to cry out about or be ashamed of or anything. You are magnificent. So just like already starting off at a young age with what is described as nothing but a super supportive and even understanding mother in something that a lot of parents and adults in general struggle to accept. Especially in that time. Yeah. In Nashville, Tennessee in the early (laughs) forties, it's just like, and she's black too. So like, it's just like all this is pretty crazy. 
Jackie started playing drums as a teenager in Nashville. Shortly after this time, she there was this neighborhood mom and pop shop that you she used to love to go to, and they baked cookies. And she was like, I would I love to go there to get this yummy oatmeal cookie as often as I could. It was my favorite place. And one day she was in there getting a cookie and she heard a blues piano playing from a back room in this shop and just being very intrigued and curious, interested in the music. She kind of wandered her way back there and was like, Hey, do you mind if I sit down while, while you play? And the pianist ended up being the son of the, the folks that owned this little store and the rest is kind of history from there because Jackie and this pianist and then she's the drummer for them and they start this trio and this trio is just hot as can be. They get a lot of good recognition within the neighborhood. They're kind of asked to play in certain clubs in the neighborhood and they have regular gigs, you know, just kind of little odds and ends. But this trio is really kind of starting to gain momentum and uh, get to know each other. And they're wanted. People are asking them to come play gigs. And Jackie hadn't ever learned how to play the drums. She just, like, felt the music. Almost, I don't know, whatever you will, but just, like, God-given thing that this is your path or this is what you do, you know? So she's playing drums for this trio. The first single that they cut on record is in 1957. It makes its way to number eight on the R&B charts. So she would be 17? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And during this time, her mother moved to Los Angeles, but Jackie's super involved in the music scene in Nashville, so she doesn't move with her mother. She stays in Nashville. And then that summer, she goes out to visit her mom in L.A. And of course, her mom, knowing her daughter and her capabilities, encourages her to enter the talent show hosted by Johnny Otis. (laughs) Jackie says that they literally had to tell her to stop playing and tell the crowd to just settle down because they had 10 more contestants that they still needed to get through. She played like second or third and she caused such a ruckus with the crowd and they just went wild and they were like, Hey, like this is not, we have to get through the rest of the show. Like this isn't just a Jackie show. And so, (laughs) so needless to say, she wins first, place trophy and prize and so of course she's kind of starting to get some more recognition and when she gets back to nashville she very quickly and mind you she went to la just to visit her mom for a summer trip she goes back to nashville she's really kind of starting to catch on And she becomes a regular part of a big studio band. And then she's also drumming for a local premier black nightclub called Sue Bridgewater's New Era. So she's super busy. She has a lot going on. 
in her life and it wouldn't really make sense for her to move to LA right now because she has a lot going on in Nashville. So her and her band tour around Kentucky. Um, they're playing with big names like Arthur Prysock, Jackie Wilson, The Impressions. And she says about her time with this trio, I had something going with that band that would wear you out. It was the devil, let me tell you. We were really together. It was hot. Unfortunately, one of the band leaders came at her with an unwanted advance and did not want to take no for an answer. And Jackie says, On this night, he told me that either I was going with him or he would cut my face up. I told him to make his move. Jackie had had enough and left the band and headed back to Nashville. Even though this trio that she was touring with was like really tearing it up doing and like well. they're making their way up the charts, they're doing well. And Minus she's the just rapist. Like, right. Yeah. Fuck this. I'm out. Fucking who's that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> what was the name of the trio? It was. Um, they have a name? No, that's the name of the club. It It didn't really specifically give me a name of what this trio was because this was kind of before she it was just like jackie shane touring with this trio so like, i'm sorry i don't bebop have... and those scooby doobies or... yeah it... <laughs> oh i like that you know, yeah probably yeah. i know that her history is pretty lean so i didn't know if that was something we had found yeah i don't i don't know exactly what the name of the trio was it was just like jackie shane touring with like it i don't feel like it had like a specific name and maybe i'm wrong and if our listeners know i'm wrong then say that but there wasn't a specific name for this early trio that i found so she was just kind of like this and moved back to nashville to just figure things out we're in 1958 now Jackie's back in Nashville. She's pretty well connected with the music scene. She's good friends with Joe Tex. Yeehaw. And Joe Tex has been encouraging her for the last couple years to move out of the Jim Crow Deep South, saying, look, you have everything that anyone could possibly want as an entertainer and a musician. Get out of here if you really want to make it. You've got class. You've got what it takes, but you'll never make it here. Which... Totally makes sense. I mean, they're like, Ouch. you're not gonna make it here. Ouch. If you know Adore what I'm woof. saying. Yeah. Also, like, you're really good great. advice. Okay. Yeah. Like, thanks. And it, yeah, it seemed like it really was coming from a friend that was yeah. like, I care about you, but this is not the place for you. There's a better place. There's a better place. Spoiler alert. Jackie said that her decision was cemented when one day she was waiting for a bus in downtown Nashville and she saw a white white mob beat a black man and throw him in a dumpster. And she was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is right. I should leave. So, you know, it goes without saying being black, obviously in the deep South was hard enough and being openly gay was a whole other story. So it was clearly not safe for her. Was she openly? She was, yeah. I mean, like she was 
openly she was like, openly queer. different yeah i i feel like queer she was openly queer and unapologetically being jackie shane like it it wasn't anything else um just like out in a general way just out so just on that note of was she openly gay um this is a quote that i would like to read from rob Bowman, who wrote the Numero story, which we'll get to, but he says, in the way she led her life, being gay or transgendered was no different than being short or tall. It just was. And that is really the essence that I'm getting from everything I've looked into that was just like, she just was. Like, and it, so yeah, she was. She was open, it was I guess, because up it's... to everyone else to categorize yes. her yes. rather than herself. Exactly, because she was just Jackie. Whatever that was, she was just Jackie. While she's searching for new opportunities, she joined an outfit run by Melvin Jackson, who put together a vaudeville minstrel troupe type show that played in traveling caravans, or as Jackie liked to call them, soul tents. And the carnival eventually traveled by train car to Cornwall, Canada. And Jackie had to get her mother's permission because she is still under the age of 18. So this carnival that she's traveling with is like all kinds of freaks, if you will. Um, One dude, like, picks people's glasses off of tables and like eats the glass like just weird like what you know what what you would think of from a vaudeville type carnival scene in the in the 50s like i feel like i have a good picture of it i don't i hope everybody else does too Um, from peewee yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's my reference point carnival i see carnivals everywhere (laughs) so Jackie says, when I got to Cornwall, I felt so good. I never felt that good before. I felt so free. I just loved it. And as I was listening to some of the interviews, which Jackie's done very little of, um, but her interview in particular with Elaine Banks, Elaine asks how the people of Canada reacted to her And Jackie said at first they didn't really know how to react. And so I loved them first. Jackie didn't put it on the people. Most people are planted in someone else's soil. And I feel like that phrase to me, I just like can't even unpack it. Like it's just so like... I really liked it, and I totally understood what she meant by it. Like, you just, like, embrace the community, and you implant yourself, like, into people's lives, and they will respond with love, like, when you love them. Yeah, I think I wrote that down when I listened to the interview. It was, I loved them first, because I had to. And I read this line and I read it and I read it and I read it over and over again because I feel like I don't know you think of like every everything that's happening in our political climate right now and 
in Utah, especially in other states as well, but in Utah right now, in my immediate worldview, is all these anti-trans legislative measures being taken that are super hateful and literally coming out of fear and lack of understanding. And this phrase here, I loved them first, to me is like, if you know a trans person and you have a trans person in your life, it just is so much more regular to you, I guess. And it you like have a, a relationship and an experience to relate it to and a personality and a human being to connect it to instead of just this gross condition that somebody has or whatever. Like it just drives it home when it's somebody that is yours in any way. And so, yeah, I just... I feel like this phrase was just really amazing and I, (laughs) I'm sorry. I just can't even, I just, it made me feel seen and, um, you know, I feel like I've loved people first (laughs) and so I related to it really heavily. Like you don't, you don't give people a chance to put you anywhere else because you show them compassion and love first and to me that is kind of the point of life. (laughs) All right. So we are back to Jackie Shane in, she is in Cornwall, Canada with her mother's permission in 1958. 58. Cause I said 57. And she's loving the people first. Yes. And now she's 18, which is like, that's a lot of life to live before you turn 18. Yes. She's advanced. And maybe an maybe she's still 17 and she's turning 18 at the end of the year. Either way. For my story's sake. One I, year here yeah. or there. Yeah. All right. But she's, she's a young gal. Sure. All right. And she's doing this kind of vaudeville touring train car carnival thing and trying to figure out her next move to get out of the deep south and she gets up to Canada and she loves it and she starts playing with this band up there that's that she gets connected to through the carnival situation and she kind of gets pulled into this weird situation where she gets kidnapped by a mobster what so she kind of gets pulled into this weird situation (laughs) where she gets kidnapped yes okay so she's playing at this club that probably is mob owned and probably the mobster was like i can make a bunch of money off of you so she ransom situation no like i want to be your Manager, I'll make you big. I'll make it so that you can do anything you want. But if you ever cross me, I'll kill you. Kind of mobster. Oh. And Jackie plays the card of I can't sign anything and I can't do anything without my parents' consent because I'm still too young. Get it, girl. That is a great card to play. Yes. So she kind of credits that with like saving her skin in that situation. Saving her bacon. So 
shortly after that, she kind of starts going up to Montreal and she's just like blown away. Wait, wait, wait. Back up. So the mobster's like, you're right. The mob, right. Yeah, the mobster, the mobster gets scared off and takes her back to the house that she was staying in because she's underage and she's like. And he didn't realize that. Yeah, he's he like, didn't. oh boy, this isn't legal. I'm gonna lay my hands on it. Who knows? Who knows? And who knows what like, really the situation a line was? For me. But but she was like, she probably she, had some smooth. She talk. credits that with like kind of saving her bacon by being like, I'm underage. I'll have to ask my parents. Like I can't. I'm not gonna do this. Like I, I'm not then, even Canadian. Yeah, what a badass. Yeah. <laughs> so. Gets out of that situation, gets back to her home that she's staying w- staying in with other musicians and other people from the carnival. Another weird series of misfortunes and unwanted sexual advances made by the male of the home that she was staying in. Fast forward through that, she gets out of there and she moves on to this new house and these new folks who are in a band and they're playing shows in Montreal and they take Jackie out to see the town on Montreal and she's just blown away like I can't believe how many clubs are here there's clubs lining up and down the street on every side and again you know she's just like felt free it's not how the U.S. is with racism it's way more and she straight up says, like, people would would stare at me like people had never seen a black person before, but they weren't, it wasn't how it is in at the U.S. at that time where you weren't allowed rights. Like, sure, you were, like, stared at and probably ridiculed and people would make fun of you, but it wasn't as much of a safety hazard to just exist while being black as it was in the U.S., So Jackie starts touring around Canada and she, when she gets to Montreal, the house that she's staying in is also shared by Frank Motley, who trained under Dizzy Gillespie, who's a famous trumpeteer, a super famous trumpeteer. And Frank Motley was like his protege protege, and Frank Motley's like badass trickery, whatever, was that he could play dual trumpets, like one in each hand and like doing them at the same time. So pretty cool. But she she hooks up with Frank Motley and they start touring together like crazy. So it's Frank Motley and the Hitchhikers featuring Lil Jackie Shane. And that's like her main touring situation that's happening and did she start the lil trend do you think i don't know I bet she did i bet she did <laughs> i'd like to put it on the record that she I, did I Romeo. you can't do that you don't have this documentation is, this is the record so she's touring with frank motley and they're opening up shows for like etta james and big ass names like playing with Joe Tex, she knew Jimi Hendrix. Like, she's so involved and so entrenched in the soul and R and B 
culture that it blows my mind that I never had heard of her until now because she's like going alongside all these now classics. But, you know, we'll get to that. We'll get to what happened. She's touring all over and then coming back down to the States to do shows in like Buffalo. And she said that it was hard to come to the States because she was harassed by police officers. There were like anti cross-dressing laws that she would dip out of the recording studio and have to kind of sulk down the street two or three doors to the record shop and not be seen, put on a big coat, you know, because you could literally be arrested just for existing as a black trans person, (laughs) which is just crazy. But so when she was in Canada, she felt more free and safer and there's a monologue that I'd like to read from her that's in her song called Money That's What I Want which she did not write but so the monologue is you know when I'm walking down Young Street you won't believe this but you know some of them funny people have the nerve to point the finger at me and grin and smile and whisper but you know that I don't worry Jackie Because I know I look good, and every Monday morning I laugh and grin on the way to the bank. I look good, I got money, and everything else that I need. You know what my slogan is? Baby, do what you want. You know what you're doing. As long as you don't force your will and your way on anybody else, live your life, because ain't nobody sanctified and holy. (laughs) Just like... Damn. Okay. Uh-huh. This is the closest to Jesus Christ some of you will ever get. You should travel with me, baby. You'd think Jesus Christ had come down and walked this earth again. The multitude that follows me is so great because they know I go along handing out soul blessings, satisfying souls, but I don't satisfy nobody that's a square. You've got to know that I need me some money. And... Just like right. so get it, Jackie. Unapologetic and just like managing her business and managing her affairs and not letting anybody fuck with her. And it's just like the amount uh, of confidence. How did this happen in this time period? She's like an enigma. She is like an enigma. And I've I keep on like wrapping my head around it. Like, how did this happen? And it's like I she says herself that. It was kind of a thing where, oh, people hear about this Jackie Shane, so they want to come to her show and be like, oh, what is this crazy person all about or whatever? And then they come to the show and they're just like so enamored. They fall in love with they her. Fall, they fall, yes. And, and, and this goes back to the quote I was saying of like, you love them first. Like she loved them first with her show with her performance with who she was and how true and through she was to herself and what she is that there wasn't even a space for somebody to come in and be like anything but showing love to her back or get the fuck out there's no space for anything else but love yeah wow and it's really incredible to me and i don't want to I really don't want to keep on rambling on about it because it's there's so many quotes that I can read from her but she just but lived you kind of do want to keep rambling I do I can't help myself it's just <laughs> crazy like she refused to go on the Ed Sullivan show 
which was like a huge honor at that yeah. time to be asked to Hell go on yeah. the Ed Sullivan show. And she refused to go on the Ed Sullivan show because they told her that she would have to remove her makeup. Mm-hmm. So essentially mm-hmm. she has to go on the Ed Sullivan show as a male. And she's like, fuck that shit. I'm not doing that. Didn't go. Well, Didn't why go that wouldn't Sullivan be Jack- a Jackie Shane performance. Right. So that totally makes sense. She has a song called any other way. Which is her main. It's her chef's kiss. Yes. So, Any Other Way was initially recorded by William Bell, who is a Stax record label artist. And there is a song in, or excuse me, there is a lyric in the song. That was initially recorded again by William Bell that says, tell her that I'm happy. Tell her that I'm gay. Tell her that I wouldn't have it any other way. And it's kind of been misconstrued by a lot of journalists along the way that like Jackie was the one that changed it over to say, tell her that I'm gay. But that is not the case. William Bell's original version had the lyric tell her that I'm gay. But the way that Jackie sings it, and please to our listeners, like I'm a record guy, so of course I'm nerding out about this, but go listen to the William Bell version of Any Other Way and then listen to the Jackie Shane version of Any Other Way. It is different. It is absolutely different in the way that that line comes across. And the whole song. And then the way that the entire song comes across is completely different. That fucking horn section in her version changes the whole song. There was another version that came out after Jackie's version, and this is kind of the telltale sign. And they changed the lyric to tell her that I'm happy, tell her that I'm free. Someone's insecure. Someone's insecure. Someone's, yeah, exactly. The main point that really strikes me about everything with this whole episode and Jackie Shane as a human is she lived her life and career so unapologetically and was a was huge. Like if she would have stayed on the scene and if she would have said yes to the Ed Sullivan show and she would have said yes to this random acting job that she got that ended up generating this. There's just like. So many opportunities that she had to make it huge. And instead of making it huge, she chose to just be like, no, fuck that. That's not Jackie. I'm not doing that. And in 1971, after a year of touring and craziness and bookings all the time, holidays, you know, she has an argument with Frank Motley, who she's been in a bandwidth now for on and off over the last 10 years. And he had talked her into coming back to Canada to play some shows. And they had had some fallouts in their relationships over the years. So it had taken some coursing to get her out there. And she came out, did half of the shows. And then Frank started being inappropriate and told her that he was going to 
cut her face up and beat her up if she didn't do what he wanted, basically. Why is that a common thing? Why are people, like, threatening her with violence if she's not... Is it because she eluded this, like, confidence? I, that's or is what it, I Well, and then she can't make money if she can't, like, go out on stage and perform. Right. Yeah. Is it, like, a power thing? Or is it the time period? I think it's a time period thing. I think it's all a... All of the above. I, yeah, I think it's all of the above. And basically, Jackie told Frank this show that you promised me this like segment of shows is not going how I want it to go. So I'm done. I'm going to leave. And he refused to pay her, which she was like, Oh hell no, you don't refuse to pay me. I'm Jackie Shane. And stood up to him and was like, "Uh uh-uh, like you're paying me. And he pulled the knife on her. And that's when she was like, yeah, fuck this, I'm done. And she went back to L.A. And this was in December of 1971. And at that point, she just fell off the fucking face of the earth. Nobody ever heard from her again. Until. (laughs) But for real, like, she just, she disappeared. She stopped touring. She stopped playing music. She was basically a recluse no one could reach her no one could find her no nobody knew where she was and then she kind of went off the grid she for 50 went years off the grid how old was she when that whole blow up went down do you know 31 okay, so, yeah she was born in 40 and december of 71 yeah so 31 she finished out the week of booked gigs and went back to los angeles to spend time with her mother and her lover dan she left without telling anyone including frank just like fuck this i'm out um But she, Jackie says, for a while, she stopped listening to music because she felt like it would seduce her back into that life. Wow, that's sad. That's that's the saddest thing I've heard in this whole story. Yeah. That is sad. And she says, while reflecting back on her time on stage in Toronto, which she still considers Canada to be her home, She says, I hope that I gave them something that they will always remember. Something not only about the dancing and the laughing and that, but about life. I gave what I had. I talked to them and I was simply saying, live and let live. We all want a little piece of it and we all should have a little piece of it. And I feel like Jackie Shane absolutely broke barriers for gay and transgender people even though it was not explicitly labeled as or maybe the barriers weren't very visible at the time yeah that yes that's exactly right the barriers weren't as visible at the time but jackie says about breaking barriers for gay and transgender people that was my intent What I saw was injustice. I saw ignorance. I've given a lot. I've even risked my life. There were people who wanted to destroy me, especially the cops. They were so intent on destroying me, you have no idea. But they can't. I'm not going to let them destroy me. I would laugh at them. Their stupidity is laughable. I've had people who've said to me to my face, You scare me. I'm looking at them. Oh, please, you scare yourself. (laughs) 
And... <laughs> oh, shit, Jackie. Just, like, fired as fuck. I love it. I love it so much. I love that. So... You scare yourself. This this whole story has just, like, sucked me in because I just can't believe it's real. <laughs> so... In 2010, a Canadian journalist who we referenced earlier, her name is Elaine Banks. Oh, Elaine. Oh, Elaine. Yes. <laughs> you found me. You found me, Elaine. I was trying to hide and you found me. Yeah. And that's what Jackie says. Like, I've been trying to hide and after all this time you found me. Elaine did a radio documentary for the CBC. For the CBC, for the Canadian like the BBC. broadcast channel. And I would like to say, I thought it was very interesting, and I did not tell you guys about this initial radio documentary. I'm sure you figured it out on, once you heard one. the interview. But the radio documentary that was done in 2010 has Jackie misgendered the entire time. Oh, really? Oh, no. They, every person that talks about her uses he, him pronouns and just kind of says, you know, she was a transvestite, she was a drag queen. Like, to me, sure, there was some disrespect, but also, like, showing of how far political correctness and even awareness of gender pronouns has come even since 2010. Like, that's only, what are we? 12 what years. Year are we in now? 2010, it probably would. They, they, did, they didn't even think about it. No. When they were making that radio show, it they was, didn't even think about it. It was probably, it. like, pretty progressive. It like, was. Progressive sure. vocabulary and everything. Yes. Yeah. Talking yeah. about transvestites and even being willing to mention drag queens. and Yeah. Like, it and now it's cringy. And now it's just, like, this is not, like, the right box to put a person in or or if we put a person in a box at all you know has elaine banks made any comments about her initial documentary no but i will say that not that i know of maybe she has but i will say you listen to the interview which took place in 2019 which right before she died was right before she died because she died in february of 2019 she very much, Elaine refers to her in her proper pronouns. Like, I don't feel like Elaine Banks was shitty and trying to misgender her. No. I really feel like it was like a swept up in the. Like, I think it's not even swept. I think it's just not a thought. Yeah. It's not even a thought. It's just like part of, oh, here's this lost musician that we've rediscovered. Do you want to explain what the interview is for our listeners who... So after almost 10 years, Elaine Banks makes this radio documentary series on Jackie Shane. And after 10 years, she's finally able to talk to Jackie Shane for the first time in person ever. And she's already made She's already made this whole series. And this whole series fucking ripped the rug right out from underneath Jackie's feet because she's been hidden and recluse for all these years and suddenly the spotlight's back on her and Elaine says this in the interview like I after I saw how viral this went I mean it exploded everybody was just so intrigued by it and 
Jackie had kind of been living under the radar and this interview put her on blast basically. And she says in the interview, like I was uncomfortable at first, like I didn't want to do this. I was uncomfortable, but thank you. Thank you, Elaine, for not letting my story die or, you know, like just like bringing it back out and bringing a light to it. And I think that... And not even necessarily her story, but living authentically. I feel like that was more, that was more her message in that interview more than anything. Yeah. That's the vibe. I got, I got that it, she, it didn't really dawn on her until there was an interview and like a whole thing that like her actions at the time meant as much. I don't think she really realized that until people started wanting to talk to her. Because she's just fucking Jackie. Yeah, she's just she's, Jackie. She's and she's just like doing, doing whatever Jackie does. Yeah. And that's what I got from that interview. Was Same. She was like, I just, I didn't know, but I'm so grateful that like what I did meant something to somebody. And they tell me, you know, she kind of framed it in that way. Like they tell me that the things that I did made a difference like it's almost like it was secondhand to her that it made a difference to people which I i've think heard is really i made it <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah which is really interesting and it makes the most sense given that she is like i'm just gonna like disappear for a while you know she it's not like that was her goal Um, I want to say that I am super stoked on Numero Group, who is the record label reissuing catalog for this particular release. They caught on to this story that was happening with Elaine Banks and in 2017. So before Elaine was able to have this person-to-person phone call with Jackie... Numero group went in and had to send somebody to badger the shit out of Jackie to sign that, yes, we'll let you reissue this catalog of music. And this dude was literally like showing up at her doorstep and like calling her and like throwing rocks at her window, like, please come down and talk to me. But she's just, like, so reclused. And even though she knew he was coming, she was just like, I don't want to today. (laughs) Never mind. So eventually (laughs) he ends up leaving the contract for her to sign. And thank God, like, she signs it. And Numero Group reissues this. And I don't know all the timelines of exactly who's to blame and what's for what, but I know that in 2010, Elaine Banks released this docuseries, and I know that in 2017, Numero Group released this incredible reissue of her release. And if you're not familiar with Numero Group, they go through and they're archivists, basically. They go find stuff that's been lost it's a discovery label and i feel that they absolutely had everything to do with elaine banks getting that final phone call and like person-to-person talk with jackie shane and i feel like 
they were the first and sure maybe I'm wrong because I wasn't there for the whole story but as far as what I can find and tell they were the first news story that appropriately let Jackie tell her own story and let her tell her story as her and not as a transvestite or as a drag queen or as an imperson a female impersonator or a freak show or a carnival act or the list goes on and on and on. And so me as a record guy, like I just wanna praise musical archivists, whatever you want to call them. I'm thankful for them because I feel like they're uncovering history of what makes us us and where we are and this Jackie Shane segment in my life has brought me a lot of joy I listen to the music and it's very uplifting to me and I just can't help but have a smile on my face and so I hope that others will take the time to listen to her music the numero release is called Any Other Way. It was released in 2017. It has her studio recordings that were available as well as a live album that she released in 1967 in Canada. And this collection has everything there. And if you would like to get a copy, I have it at Lavender Vinyl and I would love to sell it to you. So come see me. And cheers, queers. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's your big ending. If you guys have anything else to I, say, go for it. I just want to bring up, I think it's really interesting in that interview because the only thing we really knew about this episode going into it was you gave us the homework to listen to this interview, and I'm married to you, so we've been listening to this record. Bye. Over and over and over again since you brought it home, which I've fallen in love with it, so thank you. But I thought it was really interesting in the interview that this reissue was nominated for a historical Grammy, which I didn't even know that was a category. And that seems like a pretty big deal, especially because she obviously didn't get the recognition and she was still alive when it got nominated for a historical Grammy, which is just incredible. Did Jackie win the Grammy? No. Or just it, nominated? It, it, yeah, it was just okay. a nominated, but okay. even for that. That's video. still huge. Yeah. All these years later. I really liked um, listening to that interview, and it was just very, like, I don't know, when you just call your grandma on the phone or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like. What are we just talking talk to... about today? What what the fuck yeah. are we gonna talk about? Yeah, today? yeah. It was it was very comfortable and it was fun to listen to. You found me, Elaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Elaine. Hello, Elaine. Oh, and she was just very happy to be talking. And I feel like maybe it took her a minute to get there to be happy talking on the phone. Yeah. Based on the fact that she wanted to disappear. But to me, that was, like, the thing that got me was I don't think she really knew what she meant or what she did 
I think she just did. She just lived as herself authentically and then let her fucking trail just be blazed as she went and didn't really, it's like she didn't even give it a second thought. She was just doing her. Even being off the grid for years and years and years, she's what? She was probably 80 in her 80s during that phone call. You could tell she had lived her life authentically all those years off the grid the same way she lived it when she was a 17-year-old chilling in Toronto, living her dream life. And I think that is what, like, stuck with me from that interview. And I would just like to end with one more quote from Jackie, which is, I was born a woman in this body. That's how it's always been. I'm not putting on an act. I could not be anyone else if I tried. It would be the most ridiculous thing in the world for me to try to be a male. I'm not going first. First, go first. I don't have any joy at all. <laughs> you have some joy in there. Yes. <laughs> God, I <Okay>. hope so. <laughs> I mentioned this briefly earlier, and I've even toyed with, like, releasing this as a... Can somebody put this out on our page tomorrow to say that we have a new announcement because I want people to go fucking see Man and the Moon at Good Company Theater because we saw the preview last night. I cried like a baby. I'm not going to lie. I cried through the whole fucking thing. It was so powerful and so relatable and also so like, holy shit, there's a black-owned theater company in Ogden, Utah that is doing a two-character play about a trans-masculine black person and a 12-year-old girl that are waiting in the oncology unit for pretty likely sad news. And... It was absolutely incredible. I can't say anything else about it. It was really special and made me feel very valid and seen. And it's not even about me. It was just, just tuned my soul right to where it needed to be. And the playwright and their partner happened to be here last night for the preview and And they came to my store today (gasps) and bought the LQ magazine and they posted about us on their personal page and like and they're a queer playwright who lives in San Diego so it's a big deal they're fucking cool coming to ogden utah and the other thing about this play that i found was so interesting and i can't remember our friend alicia who is one of the co-owners of good company told us it's a play where they do it in three different theaters across the u.s and kind of like see what does well and what hits with audiences and then they kind of it was like a rolling yeah a rolling script or something rolling script that's what it was so basically they let three different audiences across the states experience it and then they alter it based on what audience perceptions were for the final script Hmm. and i was just like 
I literally, I'm not a playwright. I don't, I don't know anything about that shit, but I'm like, I, I don't, I was perfect. I can't think of a single thing that they should fix. And I've been like obsessing about it all day. I've been thinking about it all fucking day. And just hearing like the setup that Kai gave you, we laughed and laughed and laughed. Like it was equal parts heartwarming, tragic, funny. Like you felt every emotion and it was done so well. And it's, I love the productions they put on there because you go in and you never know what you're going to experience, but you know you're going to walk away seeing something you've never seen before that is so unique and you're going to just feel good. Whether that's like, that doesn't necessarily mean that this is like a happy play or a happy... It's like you feel like you learn something or you feel like you... You feel enlightened. enlightened. I feel like I always feel enlightened when I leave there, even if it's... I've seen some of the saddest things there that I've seen in like live performances and I still leave feeling so happy I went there and that they're doing something so different. Please go see it. This is going to come out when it's done, but all right, shit. We'd go see it again. I'm going to put that out there. I'll go see it. I'll see it right now. I have some joy some queer joy by the way lisa's clapping (laughs) just so everybody knows what we're (laughs) so you know i was about to pour some sadies to because i'm scared (laughs) why are you scared Uh, okay so my queer joy this week amanda palmer if you didn't hear in episodes past who i have a fondness of she released a really fun song this week so she has given a big fuck you to all record labels and she's 100% does whatever the fuck she wants whenever the fuck she wants cuz she just does everything through Patreon now and so which means she raises the money for her entire record release through her fans on Patreon which is a really fucking big deal so that I will say that's really cool it's really cool and she doesn't abuse it like she just charges per thing So if she's like, hey, I want to do this thing, I'm going to present it to you guys who are going to pay for it. This is what I'm going to do. And you can revoke your membership if you don't want to. Yeah, like she's super respectful of it. And then like if you're in, if you're pledging a dollar, you're pledging a hundred dollars, whatever it is, then like you get charged for that thing and then you get all the thing, all the thing. And so whether that's a digital song or a full album signed LP copy, it's it's all over the board. Yeah, it's all over the board. So her she hasn't done a thing for a while and she calls them her things like I'm putting out a thing. So, okay, so for those who don't know, she was touring in Australia and New Zealand when COVID hit two years ago. She is still in New Zealand. She has been there for two years now. She is from Boston, but she got stuck there and then she just hasn't left. And now she's kind of embraced it. She's like, I, she has her kid there. She's like, I don't know if I want to go back to the U.S. It's kind of a shit show over there. And so she's done some stuff to like raise money in New Zealand and done like a few like benefit shows but she hasn't really put anything else out since her last album 
So she put a poll up on her Patreon to do some sort of cover. And there's this whole big Disney Encanto mania happening right now, which is like the latest Disney big animated film, which is about a Puerto Rican family. And she kind of really resonated with this song, Surface Pressure. And it's about this one sister who feels like she has to carry all the burden of the family, which is very relatable within that culture of like taking taking that on. And she did the whole process from start to finish for her Patreon subscribers. So literally the phone calls where they were planning out all of like how they were going to recreate this song in their style. And she collaborated with Jarek Bishop, which is a person who is in her band, the Grand Theft Orchestra. And he did all of the strings orchestration. So it's her singing and then it's a bunch of different strings and her style. It's like, it's not supposed to be like this beautiful, pretty Her voice. style's very aggressive. It's it's like you're supposed to feel something from it. It's like supposed to go from like really pretty to like intense. And then she like drops her voice down really low. Like, And this song was written for an alto and she's just like chef's kiss alto. Honey, you're, but you need to I know. I'm sorry. Down. I'm like, I'm you getting so just... excited. But it's like my two worlds colliding and I love it so much. And so she... Um, <laughs> Lisa gets really <laughs> hot about Amanda Palmer. So, so just. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're going to have to edit half of this out. I'm so sorry, Lindsay. Probably not. It's. But it just like. It made my. It just like made my whole day. So it, it was really cool that she showed the whole process. She showed like. These conversations where they were talking about how they were going to create the sound and and the whole like orchestration of it and how they wanted to change it and then the whole day they were recording they had that whole live streaming it was just like really cool that they showed that whole process like most artists don't show all of it and she was 100% transparent she had the artwork done from what like one of her friends who's a Puerto Rican artist and like paid them and so tried to like be really respectful of the origins of and the then film. didn't she hire a bunch of puerto rican musicians they were all new zealand because she's still okay, in new zealand okay but they but she like paid a bunch of proceeds to uh-huh. puerto rican charity like she gets she does something to make sure that she's she's tries to be really mindful of like the the big picture and there's a lot of problematic things happening with Disney right now. Oh boy! Let's and not get started on that. We I was don't say something. About it. It's hard for me because there's so many different angles of it. Like it's there's thousands of people that make up the Disney company, and like unfortunately, the head of the company right now is not. But that's where the money is. So, like at that's the end of the, the day, for is. most people, that's what it comes down to: is where the like where the money's being spent. But at the end of the day, too, it's about the people. And we're walking out the because majority, they don't want to work for that shitty ass company. The majority of the people there 
like Disney has one of the highest rates of LGBTQ employees. So that is really fucked up. And they're trying, they're trying to oust him out. He's not a great representation of what's happening, but he keeps fucking backpedaling like, Oh yeah, I support this. And then like quietly giving something like I give money to politicians and I have no idea how they're going to vote. Yep. He's not great, and I I totally get that. But you can't disregard all of these great things that have been happening in art and entertainment and and queer artists, and, like, there's so much more to it besides just, like, one asshole who's a CEO who's just barely been in there. Right. And a really cool thing that happened this week is Disney released, like, an official statement. I don't know if you saw on social media and stuff – you wouldn't have seen Alex, but Lisa. <laughs> for the record, Lisa looked at me and said, I don't know if you've seen it. And then Lisa looked then at me looked and pointed at, at me and was like, Alex, I know you, you have it. You I never would have seen this. You've never seen this in your whole life. Well, you're not on social media, my friend. I'm on Untapped. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Linus. Barely. Linus 801. So, hey, <laughs> so this was this was a statement, okay, that was on their social media. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Disney Parks Experiences and Products is committed to creating experiences that support family values for every family and will not stand for discrimination in any form. We oppose any legislation that infringes on basic human rights and stand in solidarity and support of our LGBTQ plus cast, crew, and Imagineers and fans who make their voices heard today and every day. So this was a big deal. This was three days ago because people are like, well, fuck, they're just like trying to cover their butts. Like they're saying one thing and doing something different. No, this didn't come from the CEO. This didn't come from Disney. This came from their social media cast members. This is their way of walking out. Posting this on social media. Without permission of the CEO. And that's really fucking badass. So like as a former cast member, as someone who like was a part of this, who knows a ton of queer people who still work there. I can see it from both sides. I can see that it's frustrating when your CEO is doing something different than what you believe in. And they're kind of stuck in a hard place right now. And a lot of people are walking out. A lot of people are doing things in their way that they can stand up, but it's a shitty position. But Amanda Palmer. Right. We're going to circle back to Amanda Palmer. Listen to her cover and... It is very enjoyable. Her cover is very enjoyable. Really fun. Anybody else have anything they want to share? Do we have any joy this week? Yeah. I talked to a tree guy the other day. (laughs) Hey, dude. And I feel like I talked to him in a way that, you know, like, I wasn't no slouch. Like, I'd talk tree to this guy. I'd talk tree to you, (laughs) baby. (laughs) And I know it sounds silly, but in most things that are beyond a woman's 
ability to comprehend such as a tree. A oh, tiny- God. <laughs> Cutting down a tree. Tiny, tiny <laughs> girl brain. Or a car or something like that. I talked about my time at Jiffy Lube. Yeah, you guys I was still in it. I was very happy about myself. I talked to a tree guy and I felt like I talked tree with him and I feel like I got a very reasonable price. So that's my queer joy, is that I felt like the tree man did not talk to me like a woman, which happens a lot. What a shitty thing to have to say, but I, but. And we're like over here, like with streamers and poppers, like, <laughs> I know. And I, like, I, I don't want to dissuade your joy, but what a shitty thing to have to be like, I didn't get talked to like a woman. It's going to take forever to get this tree down. Look how tall it is. You know, like that's. <laughs> I feel like that happens all the time. Yeah. And so, anyway, that's my queer joy. I cheers to that queer joy. That is that is good. Thanks, friend. Alex, do you have any queer joy this week? Um, I'm going to say that my queer joy is that I had to go to a couple doctor's appointments this week. And my doctors listened to me and there was no, like... You know, when you go to the doctor and you really want something, but you can't really say it in English Because then if you say you just want it, then they're like... And then they're like suspicious of you. So I feel like I could really talk to my doctors and they knew what I was saying and... You could be It worked out really well. Yeah. So I'm I'm happy about the healthcare system this week. I... Yeah. I will cheers to that. Yep. This week. That's what I have. I'm also this happy week. about the healthcare system this week. Yeah. They haven't let me down this week. Yep. So cheers to that. All right, folks. This has been Toasted Lavender Podcast. It has. I am signing off after almost two hours. And, it was more um, last time. Hopefully, Lindsay can Ooh. edit this down into a palatable dimension <laughs> for you all. Cheers, queers. Signing off. Thank you. I liked your little like I like your little like Yeah, girl.